So it's like the Hubble telescope, but on blockchain. (laughs) Yes, Brent, that's exactly how I would describe it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruki, and I'm here with my co-host, Brent Philbin. Hey, 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 what's up, what's up? (laughs) And Adam Levy. Hello. What's up? What's up? What's up? All right, so this (laughs) is our weekly flagship Friday. It's going to be released April 12th. 2019 and of course our flagship friday is where we cover weekly crypto related events and also not crypto related events foreshadowing (laughs) yeah but sometimes we get to talk about stuff that's just cool before we dive into the actual news items though brent do you want to give the audience uh i know sometimes you like to lead off with catching us up with what the show's doing maybe let them give a preview of what's coming up next well, uh, we didn't do anything this week. We, we didn't release the episode, uh, the extra episode yet this week. We are going to. It'll probably be released over the weekend. I just haven't had time to edit it. And and Jason, our editor, Jason, is ridiculously busy. So we did a little casting couch with Adam where we went over a bunch of nonsense and also some crypto stuff and back and forth. It was like a 45-minute, I don't know, improv episode almost. So you can look for that. And then next week, we're going to do that 101 on Decred. Also recording next week, we're going to talk about attack vectors on blockchains with Anthony Lusardi. Sweet stuff. And Adam, are you going to start off the morning with a little rapid fire action, baby? I mean, sure. Let's let's do it. Real quick, I ended up going to the Crowd Invest Summit yesterday. Oh, uh, I forgot about the CIS. Yeah, well How done, it? Brent. Wait, it, wait, a st- it was yeah. mediocre. It, <laughs> actually, what's funny is I went two years ago and I went to the party the first night and it was at the Grammy Museum. It was super decadent and, and it was pretty awesome to just be there and everyone was super enthused. Bitcoin, yeah, like it's going through the roof. And, and then this, the two years later, it's like all those people have probably either moved on to better positions or are just like kind of down on their funds. And it seemed <laughs> there were certain things there that just were there was some Mike Tyson thing that seemed like a scam. It just I mean, I have no a idea Mike what it was Tyson about. Thing? I, it just no. I, I'll have <laughs> to have been a scam. Have, I mean, I, I don't mind Mike Tyson, but it, it wasn't him. It was just like had him in it for some reason. And then there was a cool one called what is it? There were only a couple that I actually like talked to because everyone else just seemed kind of meh. But there was a, something called taxbit.com which is something for taxes. It's not blockchain, not cryptocurrency or anything. It's just to do your crypto taxes. And they had a uh, someone's taxes who was a bot trader. And it was literally oh. a Bible worth of uh, forms that they had to fill out. It just as a sample. This is what we had to do for this guy that, like in 2018. And then there was another wow. one called Diamondback, which is uh, they're allegedly trying to be a stable coin but with backing of diamonds which is interesting and uh it seemed Ooh, like they were actually, they're not very stable yeah they, it, it seemed like i mean they have brinks pwc alpha point all these you know lloyd's companies i've at least heard of behind allegedly behind i mean they're not they're not coming out yet but they're coming out soon and uh yeah it was just a 
It was, it was overall, it was mediocre, but these were two interesting ones that I happened to check out. So was it one of those conferences that was, you know, the keynotes were mostly just people shilling their project and wasn't particularly interesting? Like it felt kind of scammy or was it something in between? I mean, it, it was something in between because there was like Steve Wozniak there or, you know, there were other people that I, I've definitely heard of in the crypto space uh, or the L.A. area. The issue was, was it's just actually one of the guys from Firefest was there. Um, he wasn't he was like, <laughs> yeah, no, but he, he he's totally like, not a scam. He, then you're right. He was he was actually one of the legitimate guys. Mark Weinstein. He was the only guy in the entire uh, Netflix doc that I was like, oh, this guy just was like wrong place, wrong time. and didn't see it. Was it the guy that, that was supposed to be the yoga instructor that was With the beard? Being, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, and he was just like emailing them and was like, please stop. Like, this is going to be a disaster. And they're yeah. like, hey, yeah, we're, smile. We're, we're still going to do it. <laughs> But uh, the thing, I just think that most of the important people were just actually there to meet with important people. So, you know, anyone that you're just walking around trying to interview or just like clearly either shit on their coin or their coin is so far away from actually being relevant that it's, you know, or they're just like in very early on in their process that, yeah, there wasn't really much in between. Hmm. And but then I'm, I'm still looking for another conference to scratch my itch like uh, like Beyond Blocks did. And then unfortunately, they were the only one that actually put on for me that I've been to. And I, I've never been to consensus or anything like that. So I don't know. But they're, they're the or, or World CryptoCon or any of the like really big ones. But of all the ones that I've been to, Beyond Blocks was the only one that didn't feel like it was just a bunch of people shilling their scam ICOs or projects or whatever. And uh, they, they went under because they had a, because they actually cared (laughs) and they didn't take money from all these like scam people. And, and listen, they, they might not, it's not like they might be permanently under, but they might be back. Yeah. They just had to cancel their, yeah. Like there's (laughs) just not enough activity because the purpose of a conference like that is really to create, you know, business connections and development connections and stuff like that. And you know, we saw it even the year that we went, there were people pulling out projects that were pulling their people out of the conference because the prices were tanking or because they didn't have any money on hand or because whatever, their own internal business was falling apart. So, you know, it's a I, I did get this from a guy named Crypto Brecky, uh, where he <laughs> gave me, he told me that I needed to go to uh, find a Campbell's soup and then put this on there. And it just says, Bitcoin decentralized, better money, and uh, you're just like going to a Ralph's or a Vons or Publix where you guys are from, and replace it. Wait, he, so he's, he's an art. He's, he's an he's art giving guy. out like artist Campbell's soup looking things that you're supposed to put on Campbell's soup cans, just like in a store, so that somebody just buys a, it and then they're like, yeah, "Wait, what kind the of fuck a troll?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just as a troll, a little bit. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I could definitely. I'll Bonus take a points picture. if you can get it on a display can. You know, yeah. the one that doesn't get. Bought. I'll, I'll take a picture and put it in the notes because I thought it was cool. But we should move on. To, yeah, let's get yeah, we should actually do fire. our rapid fire. Sorry, yeah, I just. Um, no, 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 that was cool stuff. So the first rapid fire is the disgraced crypto exchange that uh, I feel like uh, Quadrica that uh, I think Brent loves to uh, God, talk, talk about. about them wait all the time. They, well, well, yeah, they, I didn't actually read too much into this article, but they've they've been declared bankrupt. So no, no surprise. But it just goes to show you that even outside the United States, that all you have to do is be a big company and steal people's money. You can just say, oops, bankruptcy, my bad. 
and you're good. So right right now they're <laughs> they're entering the bankruptcy process. I really hope these people get their money. That doesn't. I doubt they're going to. But the, maybe we'll resurrect the Quadriga CX dude sometime soon because he's not dead. <laughs> so I guess the next one is uh, me, which is just the LA Times and Washington Post. This actually just happened a few hours ago. LA Times and Washington Post opt into their BAT, BAT contributions using Brave. So that's just adoption right there. That's adoption 101. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We, yeah, we know that we said that's going to happen. Like these people who have their basic attention token just sitting there, somebody's going to tell them. They're going to be like, look, there's thousands of dollars. All you have to do is go through this process and you get it. And that's why I love their model of just like leaving it there for these people to claim. I can't confirm that the LA Times did it, but Washington Post, I could send them a tip if I wanted to. So they are a, a verified publisher. And as far as like my bat contributions while I'm surfing the web, basically I take any of the grants that we get from the community from signing up through our bat link or our brave link. We get like $5 per person. But it's in a grant. It's not like we get that. So I always give all that back out to the other verified publishers, but I only give it to verified publishers that I visit. So I do not give it to anyone unverified. So that's uh, if I ever read the Washington Post, I guess I would be giving it to them now. The L.A. Times may, you know, I don't know for sure that they did it. The articles or the tweet said they did. But and also one of the developers kind of agreed, but I still can't tip them yet. So I guess it takes a couple days to go into effect. And then uh, last but not least on the rapid fire section, Harvard invested something around like five to 10 million into the block stack token sale. And that's kind of interesting because that's a institution of the university willing to hold some tokens as part of their investment portfolio. So I don't know anything about block stack, but uh, maybe it's something we should take a look at at some point. I actually have told you guys to check out block stack. Unfortunately, it's been a while since I've actually checked it out. But oh, wait, is that the one where, where they have a they make like the little podca- apps? Yeah, they make the little apps. And uh, I think they even had a podcast app that seemed interesting. But yeah, yeah I did look at them at one point. I wonder if they've improved because at the time they were. Well, barely Harvard easy. just invested in them. I don't know if you know. <laughs> if you don't but, know. All right. Well, we'll check out Blockstack at some point in the future. For now, we're going to talk about something totally somewhat related to crypto. And well, I mean, it's only totally no, somewhat- I think I think we can connect this for sure. We can connect this because they played Bitcoin played a crucial role in keeping them alive. So, yeah, we're we're talking about WikiLeaks. We're talking about Julian Assange because he was just a few hours ago, as far as us recording this podcast, finally ejected from the embassy. It's Ecuadorian embassy, right? Yes, uh, and he was arrested. Uh, by the UK, and he is going to be extradited to the United States to face Likely. trial. I mean, he on still he's, he still has trial in the UK. Like you're allowed to defend yourself against the extradition in the courts, but there's going to be tremendous political pressure. Yeah, so. but for all intents and purposes, Assange is probably coming back home. And I know this is this is we home. talked about this. He's Australian. Well, yeah, <laughs> coming back to our home, whatever. Okay. Coming well, back to face the music. Some people were trying to charge him with treason, which is ridiculous for a non-American citizen. Just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Kareem knows way more about this than than we do. I I know the just the the cliff notes as far as Assange was part of WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks seemed very important for 
what they were doing as far as exposing the kind of corruption and forcing transparency on a bunch of different entities, except, you know, Russia. They're not really interested in exposing them at all. So that what what kind of went down as something that was necessary, something that was good, changed as everything does. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And you noticed that Mr. Assange ended up having a political agenda behind what he was doing and clearly was not interested in exposing certain parties. So, um, And Brent, it's, it's worth mentioning that he clearly, whether this is understandable or not, whatever, but he also clearly had a personal agenda, which is what a lot of people kind of got frustrated with because, you know, it came out that he was like in communications with Don Jr. and kind of angling for a pardon and all this stuff, which I get it, man. Like I, you know, he's a prisoner in an embassy because he exposed American war crimes and American corruption, you know, so that's brutal. But at the same time, he played a big role or it seems to have played a big role in an election where he had a dog in the fight, where he had a personal bias and personal trying to angle for something and he pretended like he was impartial yep that's the part that's always going to get me when you have espoused impartiality and built an entire empire on it and then all of a sudden you're no longer impartial and you're causing problems and you're doing what he's doing all still under the guise of impartiality that is where i have a problem with it so I know there are a lot of people who still believe Assange is kind of the truth whatever. My guess is they will tend to lean right and ignore what he did. And it may sound ridiculous because people do know that as on this podcast, we tend to lean left uh, as far as, you know, knowing our biases is important. But I promise you, if this was Assange doing the exact same thing, but leaning left, we would be calling it out as well. Yeah. And look, it's just this, you know, this is one of those things where new evidence comes out, but it doesn't necessarily change other things, right? Like it's, this is why we can't make heroes necessarily out of any one particular person or make them total villains because the people who argue that Julian Assange and WikiLeaks have played a crucial role in press freedom in somewhat trying to hold governments accountable, even though nothing, nobody ever got held accountable for anything, but at least it showed the public. So Assange is still an important figure in the history, in the history of journalism. WikiLeaks is massively important and they played almost like a heroic role. But this is also a reminder that it's ran by people and humans with their own motives, which can change over time, which can be influenced over time. It's people with biases. So, and now it's the, it's the same thing with all of these figures. We can't deify or completely vilify them because we're going to be making errors in judgment. I don't really know too much about the whole Assange uh, situation, so I'm not really trying to speak, but I do know that the public sentiment seemed years ago that he was a good guy. And then all of a sudden it seemed like it was less so, or it became a lot more, a lot muddier in recent years. So that's kind of just to your point that, yeah, it's sometimes things... Just say people change their motives or over the years, and you know maybe that's where he went wrong. And sadly, it's it's on his face where the attitude seemed to be when Assange was exposing the war crimes that were being committed under George W. Bush. People on the left thought he was a hero. When he came in and released or helped facilitate or whatever it is, whatever role he played in showing the internal documents and the corruption of Democratic National Committee. 
that people on the right, including Donald Trump himself, were hailing him an amazing individual, right? So if he's exposing my guy, he's the villain. If he's exposing their guy, he's the hero. There was definitely a lot of that when it came to Assange. Right. And then it just seems that in the in the recent years, he hasn't exposed what he could. Now, I'm interested to learn what's on that that file that they put out there, the the kill switch one yeah. that you had to bit torn it. And if uh, Assange was ever arrested, it was supposed to be released. I don't know if that's still a thing or if the information is too old or whatever, but that was, that it was, was an bluff. interesting thing to look. Yeah, it, it could have been, been it could have been a straight bluff. Yeah. But the fact that he has never released any any papers or any information on Russia at all, as far as I don't as far think as that I that's know. true. I, you know what? We I'd have to do more research on that. I think he has released documents that were detrimental to the Kremlin as part of some of the bigger corruption scandals. And Russian oligarchs have definitely been involved, I think, in some of WikiLeaks leaks. But maybe not. Maybe I have to go double check. So uh, I'm just because I'm browsing through the article or actually uh, read it. And it says that he faces up to five years in prison. I, I assume that's that's it. It, that's not that bad for what it well, seemed like. Maybe he's been this is the embassy longer than that. He, what is he doing? This is a sunken cost. Okay, hold on here. a second. If, hold on a second, dude. Multiple things here. First of all, straight up, they're worried about torture. Okay, like he's worried oh. about torture. Oh, okay. And just because, like, that was one of his concerns. Number two, now they're saying that they're going to charge him. I think with like hacking or something like that. But they were trying to charge him with espionage, and. You know, it would have been a more difficult case to prove, but if they do charge him with espionage, they could have been a longer sentence. And this, you know, like he's worried that he's going to get shipped out somewhere because guess what? They want to know sources. Don't forget the way that WikiLeaks operated. The reason that Assange had so much access to so many secrets is because WikiLeaks created a portal that allowed whistleblowers to give information to WikiLeaks. So all the stuff about Iraq or stuff about the DNC or whatever, somebody gave that to WikiLeaks. There's a lot of people in power who wanted to know and want to know still who are WikiLeaks' sources. Now, we know some of them. One is, for example, was Chelsea Manning, and she was he or she was put in prison for a long time and still in there in contempt. Uh, but the bottom line is the fear is they're going to get Assange and he's worried that he's going to be interrogated in extreme ways to get sources. So... I wouldn't want to go to the United States either. And also, he might face some other charges, which we don't know if are true or not, that are supposed to be rape charges from Sweden. It's a big mess, man. And you don't know what to believe, unfortunately. Did you hear what he, why Ecuador kind of gave him over, gave him away? It was because he kept blocking <laughs> security cameras and also accessing security files of the embassy without permission and eventually <laughs> they just were sick of everything that he was doing uh again i think he violated three or four uh, there, there were multiple things where eventually it was just they were just like all right we're done with you we're ecuador you know we're a small country <laughs> bye bye think about that you're like you're such like a hacker at heart you get there and you're just like well i got nothing better to do i'm gonna try to hack the place that's like i'm living in for funsies <laughs> dude and this is a perfect example of when i really don't know what to believe because look is it plausible plausible that somebody who's been locked in a place for seven years and has multiple world governments going after them that they get paranoid 
and start doing shit like this? Of course it is. Is it plausible that he's not paranoid and that they are fucking hanging into the cameras and spying on him and that he's accessing information? That's totally plausible. And is it plausible that this line from the president is just like whatever the political cover is so it doesn't seem like a violation of civil rights when they are finally like, dude, get out, you know, go to go to the United States and they're going to do whatever they want with you? Like all of the plausible explanations seem reasonable. So I still don't know what to believe. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot easier to pick this apart before the bias became obvious and like the people that were working for WikiLeaks started quitting because they're like, we can't deal with this guy and his editorial editorializing this information that should just be released and stuff like that. So there were, I, I know that there were a couple people that publicly quit working at WikiLeaks. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's specifically huge. saying like, we're sick of him editorializing this. This is not what this was made to be. And yeah, like I said, you either die here or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I know that Zen Horizon has a platform that they are trying to allow you to be a whistleblower with. So, you know, look into that. Cool. Are you guys ready to move on? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's actually talk it. about crypto. How about, how about that? All right. That Frank, get going. Coinbase is doing right. something cool. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. Coinbase is releasing a debit card with a Visa partnership. Hooray! <laughs> not in the U.S. though, boys. Calm down. Calm oh. down. This is not a U.S. thing. This is only in the U.K. Uh, they have plans to expand to the rest of Europe, but absolutely no plans to expand outside of Europe currently. The card uses the assets directly from the exchange, whereas most of the crypto cards in existence now require you to load them up first with something. Coinbase is literally just attached to Coinbase and it uses whatever you have in your wallet. You just select which one you want to actually draw from in the app. It sounds like they also have a lot of those features of the cool bank accounts like Simple or Chime where they let you do the budgeting and categorize your stuff and all that. They bought a functioning thing from a company called Shift Payments um, that was actually a third party credit card that was being used with Coinbase, I think without Coinbase's permission, just like finding a way to facilitate it. And uh, they're using a company called PlaySafe to actually issue the cards. So with all these cards, what are we looking at? We need to know what the fees are like. And as we find in all the other cards that we've talked about, the fees are astronomical. Um, Let's see if they're the same here. So it all sounds pretty reasonable. At an ATM, you can take out 200 pounds for free with no fee. Uh, Past that, it's a 1% fee if it's a domestic ATM, 2% if it's a foreign ATM. Um, If you make a purchase domestically, there is no fee. You, it is zero. They had a 0.2% purchase on some sort of fee on some sort of specific purchase that I didn't understand, uh, but still basically negligible. International, though, it's 3% if you want to do anything, which is not uncommon. I know my card charges 1% if I do something internationally. The card initiation fee is $4 or 4.95 pounds. And if you overdraft, it's 20 pounds, which is less than an overdraft fee that I would get at uh, at a bank here. All that sounds great and reasonable and very good, but as usual, there is a little bit of a catch. There is a 2.49% transaction fee on liquidating the crypto, which liquidates at the market rate, and we don't know what those spreads are going to be like. So it's at least a 2.49% fee per all of that on top of what I already listed out because that's right. what they're charging on top of the trade. And of course, depending on how tight their their spreads are, then there's a little bit of an extra fee involved there. Is that reasonable? 
it's cheaper than the other options that we've discussed on this show as far as crypto credit cards. I don't know that there's or debit cards. I don't know that there's another one cheaper. I don't know that that means it's great. And I don't know that I would use it if I wasn't even banned from Coinbase and I lived in the UK and I had any money. All of those things would have to be true before I would even consider using it, but I probably still wouldn't. But wouldn't blame somebody if they did. And as more exchanges and cards and those things do this, then the fees will go down once there's more competition. So we just need to get that. Everything fun always happens outside of the U.S. in crypto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it seems to be that way for sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Brent. These are not definitely not the best numbers. But it is cool. I mean, Visa and Coinbase, major exchange, major underwriting partner, maybe they won't get their deal pulled out from under them, like something like 10x. You know, this is actually, it's Coinbase. Yeah, this is good. I'm sure it'll be useful, but I think it's for a small niche though. You know, for most people, it's going to make more sense to use a something else <laughs> that's less expensive yeah, that's a, that's the unfortunate part like they've actually made it easy there's no other cards that do it directly so there's no cards that will let you literally just swipe and use your exchange balance you have to load up first and then they liquidate it in some in some fashion uh when i use uh if i use it when, when i'm using my uh, square cash card i have to liquidate it myself first and then deal with the exchange fee but it's actually super pretty quick process so it's easy for me to turn it into us dollars but at some point we will have a card that just swipes and it's no problem and there's almost no fee that point is not now this is the start of that and some of the other exchanges or other financial payment processor companies will get on board in the future so is this good for crypto absolutely is it a particularly good debit card probably not (laughs) And uh, the next main story is actually not about crypto at all, but it is about the future and our galaxy (laughs) and space and And the present. Kareem can take it away. Yeah, I'm excited about this one, guys. I'm sure everybody saw stories, news, Facebook shares, Reddit. It's all over. We have officially created the first ever image of a black hole supermassive beast that is in a galaxy called M87, 50 million light years away. So there's a couple of cool things to say about this. Uh, Obviously, this is all audio, so it might not be the best medium to talk about the picture itself, but there are some really cool basic science that we should appreciate that goes along with it. So first, giving props to the Event Horizon Telescope. I'll admit, I didn't understand that well until I actually looked into it a little bit more. Basically, the way it works is since the black hole is so far away, as the light waves come closer and closer to Earth, they're magnified until they basically become a big straight line. So to get a good resolution of the black hole, you in theory need a telescope that is as big as the Earth. So what the Event Horizon Telescope actually is, is a network of telescopes that are collecting uh, radio waves and combining the data, but they're spread all over the Earth and they're combining the data to create images like as if it was one giant telescope collecting all this information. And in order to do it properly, they have to be perfectly synced. So they're each using atomic clocks that wouldn't 
deviate uh, they would deviate one second per hundred million years, right? So just showing you all the little technological pieces that have to go into the construction, obviously the satellites themselves, the network. So it's like the Hubble telescope, but on blockchain. <laughs> yes, Brent, that's exactly how I would describe it. Hubble ah, telescope perfect. Okay, on blockchain. good. Very right, good please stuff. continue. But you it's forgot actually, to say it's quantum. It's actually Horizon telescope. <laughs> Yeah, also, Brian, you forgot there. to say oh. quantum or entanglement. So minus two points. Oh, shit. Of yeah. the dragons. Or consciousness. So anyway, <laughs> the amount of data that is being gathered by this network of telescopes around the world, guys, is so much that it could never be transferred over the internet, at least at our current abilities. So they actually get stored Damn. on hard drives, hard disks, and they have to get shipped to the central location that has a supercomputer that puts all of this data together to start saying like, okay, so you got this light ray at this time and then this, and it starts compiling it all together into one giant image. And of course it staggers the data to account for where each telescope is around the earth and to be able to match it with the right data or input from you know somewhere else in the world. And of course, the more dishes, the more resolution. Uh, so there is That's a picture I saw floating around uh, that also I think should be in the show notes just to uh, illustrate how much it took in order to take this pi- uh, take the picture. So a girl named uh, Katie Bauman, five pendabytes of, <laughs> of uh, is it RAM? I'm sorry, I'm not a tech guy. I forget, but it's five pendabytes. Yeah, this, this that five they, petabytes of data. That, data, that's it, yeah. yeah. And it's it's literally her arms are folded wide open. It's ten eight racks of of these uh, massive, honestly, foot tall data storage devices. I don't know. It's wild. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And from what I read, that picture doesn't even really include all of the information from what some people were saying. It was just like to be able to take a good picture kind of thing. Wow. <laughs> so it just shows huh. you like the, the magnitude. And again, each one of these observatories or dishes is a unique standalone scientific building. They're powerful telescopes. So think about how many people are participating in this, how many scientists are coming together to create this image. So to give you an example, there's a telescope in Chile. We have one in Spain, in Hawaii, in Mexico, in Arizona, in the South Pole, in Denmark, in France. All of these have a radio telescope that's participating in this process. Anyway, there's a couple of cool lessons that we learned, you know, because also maybe another question is like, all right, so we got the image. Now what? What does it mean? Well, for one, it really is a black hole and it further confirms Einstein's theory of relativity, which just keeps getting confirmed, but it's relevant because, you know, his theory kind of stipulates how matter and light would behave. We also learned, I don't really know what this means in depth, but I'll just say it, (laughs) Uh, that (laughs) apparently gravitational dynamics are better for measuring, estimating the size of a black hole than observational observations of gas. So those are the two methods that we would use. We would try to estimate like based on the gas that's around the black hole or based on the gravitational effect that it has on surrounding stars. Well, now that we actually saw the hole and we were able to estimate its size, the gravitational estimate was almost right on and the gas estimate was kind of way off too small. So we now know going forward that gravitational dynamics are a better way to estimate the size of the black hole. By the way, the size of this one was about something like six and a half billion times our sun. 
So not too big. Also, 3,200 trillion pages uh, of paper is what it would take for all that data. Oh, my God. So, yeah, (laughs) so big that they didn't even say that they didn't use the next thing beyond trillion. It's beyond trillion. (laughs) (laughs) Another lesson we did by looking at the image, we can tell that this is a rotating black hole. And we confirmed, I don't know if you guys saw, for example, Interstellar, you know how the black hole has the accretion disk, which is like really hot matter swirling really, really fast as it approaches the event horizon. We confirmed that that is, in fact, there, that there are accretion disks. So a lot of stuff was confirmed that we had already kind of modeled, right? And this one's really cool because it's more about the future, Adam, as you mentioned. So basically the thesis or the theory here is that you need the resolution power, the resolving power of the telescope that you're using to be greater than the size of the object that you're looking at. So imagine a fly. If you take a picture of a fly with a really shitty camera, it's just going to look like a smudge. If you have a super, super, super camera with amazing resolution, you can get a good picture of that fly. But then if you take that camera and you try to take a picture of a, maybe a molecule, it doesn't have the resolution power for it. And again, it would look like a smudge, right? So you either need to increase your resolution power or be looking at something really, really big to make up for your lack of resolution. So with our current abilities with the uh, Event Horizon Telescope, there are only three known black holes that are big enough that we could do what we just did with M87. So this was the one at the center of M87. And there's two more, Sagittarius A, and there's another galaxy called NGC 1277. So those are the only three that we could look at right now. But remember how we're basically simulating an Earth-sized telescope by having telescopes around the world participate? We could actually make it a bigger than Earth-sized telescope by launching telescopes into orbit and therefore simulating a telescope that is literally bigger than the size of the earth. And once we're able to do that, we may be able to detect and image black holes all around our universe, hundreds, maybe thousands, and look at them in more detail. And some of these are going to give us even more information because they're closer, because we're going to have more instruments facing them, et cetera, et cetera. So this is really the beginning of something that we're probably going to see more and more of. But the coolest part about this story for me and that I would like to the audience and all of us to take home is... We definitely could not have done this without an international network of scientists and equipment working together. And I think that a lot of people today take for granted how far we've come in every field and why a lot of times when you get these like lone wolf scientists that are like, oh, I I can disprove Einstein. And it's like, oh, well, nobody's giving him credit. Well, yeah, because we've come so far in science that most advancements are being made by groups of people, entire teams of experts with unique expertise in each thing working together. I mean, literally all the the data people, the astronomical people, the dish people, the the ones that constructed, the one that built the model. It's so many people working together to take that next step. And it's cool. I think we should appreciate it. Also important that we got it right. If you look at Interstellar, like that's what it looked like. (laughs) They they actually like got it right. It's it's pretty cool. We got it right before actual confirmation. I'm I'm proud of us. Yeah. And it further shows that we should trust models, man. When like models predict stuff, you know, people forget that even our, some of our own planets were predicted by math before we actually saw them, you know? Yep. And this is a version of that. Our mathematics was able to predict many of the features that now that we can finally see the black hole, we're like, oh, snap. Yeah. Accretion disk. Oh, yeah. Look, the event horizon. Oh, look, it's this distance from this. Oh, look, it's emitting, uh, you know, these waves and not those waves. 
that's amazing. Yep. So now all we got to do is send somebody into the middle of it and, uh, <laughs> you know, they can they can push books off shelves and stuff. Or do more math. I don't know if they can do math inside of a black hole. I don't think it works that way. No, no, no. Do more math to figure out what's going on inside. Stop being silly, Brent. Time to move on to the next category. And this story, this story is about financial services and it's like Ocean's Eleven, except in New York. All right. So <laughs> the bit license thing. So the bit license thing is one of the things that Charles Hoskinson went off on at some interview where he was like, fuck bit license and blah, blah, blah. And he went crazy. Right. Uh, so <laughs> very quickly, I don't know if this was, he was talking about this at the time, but Bitrix has been told they can no longer operate in New York and they, they must cease and desist all operations with all New York customers. And they released their statement as to why. So the New York department of financial services, bit license division, I think, has released this. We have a link to it in the show notes, but I read over the thing and everybody, you're going to get a lot of people in crypto that are like, ah, regulations, these guys are assholes. I can't believe they're like kicking Bitrix out and Bitrix has a reasonable reputation in the community. Well, here's why they kicked Bitrix out and we're going to go over the, I'm going to go over this and maybe at the end you'll see as to what you make it, make a decision as to whether you actually want to be a Bitrix customer still. It's only going to affect New York city. Also, I want to clarify everybody else is good. So they've been having transactions with U.S. sanctioned countries, which obviously has nothing to do with whether the exchange is solvent or anything like that. But the uh, if you're operating in the United States, you cannot have transactions with sanctioned countries. That's why I'm banned from Coinbase. Like Coinbase was so good at stopping this that I'm still banned from them a year and a half later because I logged <laughs> on to Cuba one time. So they didn't do they didn't do that. They randomly exclude people from their cash monitoring. The NYDFS couldn't figure out exactly how they were deciding who to exclude, but there were people excluded from their cash monitoring services. They have a board of directors and the board of directors minutes have never included any discussion of anti-money laundering, BSA slash OFAC issues. I don't know what the other two stand for, but I assume they're similar to AML. Um, The compliance officer is called out as inadequate because they haven't understood the AML procedures and how to do any of that. And also, there's a lack of training. I've been through AML training. Kareem's been through AML training. They, It's a joke. All you have to do is sit there for like 40 minutes, and then they give you the answers to a test, and that's it. They didn't even do that. They didn't even go through the joke process that we had to go through when we worked in casinos. So... They also had an audit done, uh, Bitrix did, about their AML procedures, but they refused to explain the process behind the conclusions that the auditor came to or show the engagement letter between the audit firm and Bitrix, which the engagement letter is basically a contract that's less legalese. It just says, I'm going to do this. Here's how I'm going to do it. You guys are going to pay me this. This is how you're going to pay me kind of thing. And then here's the best one. They didn't do customer due diligence. They had active accounts with names such as Elvis Presley, which, you know, maybe there really is an Elvis Presley out there still. I don't know. Or people change their names to him all the time. That could be real. ABC-ABC, which is either Roger Veer or a fake account. And Donald Duck was one of the one of the accounts. And they said there were plenty of obscene terms used for names of accounts. So they didn't even find a way to purge those people from their system. 
it was super unclear and wishy-washy how they handle corporate customers. At some points, they said if they had 10% of a share in a corporation, they had to identify. Sometimes it's 25%. Sometimes it was 60. It was very weird. So there was nothing, no procedure there. And they had a process for deciding on which tokens they were willing to list. And there was like an application process and all this stuff. But the NYDFS pulled 15 random tokens and found that some of the founders straight up refused to even finish the paperwork. Not like they forgot or it was incomplete. They said, no, we're not doing this. And they were already <laughs> listed on Bittrex. Uh, and then some of them never even bothered with an application at all. So Bittrex decided they wanted them on and they didn't have to follow their procedures. And finally, they have not agreed to have their capital examined. And that is the one that is the most alarming that they in all of this process. Now, they could be doing all the, They could be saying no to that because they don't want to deal with the bullshit if they're going to get denied anyways, based on all this other stuff. But they have not agreed to a capital examination. So all of those things combined, New York uh, has decided they're not doing business with Bitrix. And I'm be honest with you, I don't blame them. The way that that came, you know, they haven't released their, of course, their method for determining these. So there's a chance that they're lying. Of course, they could just be mad and be like, no, we're not and doing that. And I'm sure Bitrix's response would be that they're wrong. But if these things are accurate, I wouldn't want any regulatory business with this entity either. And I, I cannot. I don't like the way things are working in the United States as far as cryptocurrency regulatory certainty, but they certainly aren't letting you have Donald Duck as an active customer. You know, that <laughs> that should be pretty fucking level one bullshit, right? I agree. So <clears throat> have you yeah, seen that- Billions? Because whenever I hear about the New York finance scene, that's all I think about now. It's Paul Giamatti and the dude from Homeland. And he they're up there making the rules. What? You haven't watched? I don't know. You haven't I haven't seen billions. No. no, you guys are blowing it. But <laughs> I do agree that this is ridiculous. Kareem hasn't even watched Game of Thrones. Yeah, I don't know. But I do agree that it's like you can't just have people doing that and expect to get into the toughest finance district in maybe the entire world. You know, definitely in the toughest place in North America, you know. And you're just trying to, you know, they're they're strict. You gotta you gotta run a tight ship, and if you don't run a tight ship, like it's, it make it seems pretty understandable that you don't get in. Yeah, I mean, the, yep. and this just showed like total negligence. So, what else does that tell you? Yeah, yeah, and of course, Bitrex's response was I, I did look this up while you guys were talking. Bitrex's response is that it was inaccurate. They said it cites factual inaccuracies. Um, they didn't go specific into what was inaccurate. Uh, they did say that they try to scan specifically for when a customer opens an account if they are a designated national or whatever. Their response doesn't seem specific enough. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the NYDFS wrote an entire report and they said, yeah, they're lying. So. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say if I had no other defense or I would just I actually was interested in defending myself, I would just release what they're lying about and explain it. But I guess that's just me. I guess I value transparency in corporations and Bitrix does not. Definitely agree. Yeah. 
All right. That's enough of that. I think it's time to go around the world outside of New York. Actually, I should have just put New York in a crypto <laughs> around the world as a as a throwback Thursday. Um, but yep, crypto around the world. <laughs> Adam, why don't you tell us about a company, a country, a country company? So, or- okay, we're just going to interrupt uh, struggling Brent over there. Uh, I think I he just glitched. Um, <laughs> yeah. I remember I remember uh, I was watching the Vitalik and uh, Naval interview and or maybe he was just at, up at TechCrunch. I think yeah, it was that. And he just he legit glitched. Like Naval asked him a question, and he just all of a sudden he there were words coming out of his mouth that were not making any any sense. <laughs> and then after ten seconds, he kind of just like came back to life. So that's kind of what just he happened. rebooted. Yeah, he rebooted. <laughs> you heard like, bong. Yeah. He's like, oh, anyway, as I was saying. So all right, this article is about how there's a company called bitcoininterest.io that's the website and they tried to get food to venezuela and now that seems very simple you know if we're fucking doing it in america you'd just be like amazon prime some bananas i don't know but it's not (laughs) like that wait can you amazon prime bananas i mean you could definitely amazon now bananas but we should definitely Amazon Prime uh, our Patreon comp- customers some bananas. <laughs> so in Venezuela, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know, but if you don't, they've really gone through some serious regime changes since uh, Chavez died. And then there's now Maduro and everything is just going to shit. Inflation is just absolutely uh impossible to deal with and i think i've actually seen i think i watched a vice video where they're literally making art from the money because it's that bad Uh, you know you can buy art on the streets of you know maybe ducks that are made into you know of dollars or whatever the venezuelan currency is (laughs) so yeah so uh oh no bolivares sorry there you no, go. It's know, yeah, boulevards. So, <laughs> Monero. That's their Monero. Yeah, yeah it's Monero. Monero. I'm pretty Monero. sure it's Monero. So, what they started was a little. It's the hashtag food, not Lambos, and it's basically saying, "Hey, if you're getting rich off of crypto, maybe you should be donating to this cause because this is actually a cause that you know you're." hundred dollars is way more relevant than it's way more relevant to you to them than it is to you so i guess they change all their names and uh so basically they're, they're gonna say this guy named carlos he kind of got involved um with uh this the company bitcoin interest through mining so he was in venezuela mining and you know it's which is something you know i do know i don't know the extent of how much Bitcoin's being used in Venezuela, but I know that I've heard it enough to know that it's happening. And he came just kind of stressing that his five, his town of 5,000 people were facing some hardships, no food, no water, even electricity was getting tough for them. So they started kind of, the core team started thinking about how can they help? And they figured out that they were going to send some aid. But the issue is if you send aid to Venezuela, and they think it's from America, they will light it up in flames. They, 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 they don't want any 
kind of outside influence from my. Wait, guess. Do they burn it? That's what they say. They're they're two hundred. There was an event near the Colombian border, but there I've also seen reporting that it wasn't Maduro forces. That it was like protesters. I don't know. I don't know. In the article, or it just says two hundred and eighty tons of aid were sent there, only to go up in flames at the border. So, I mean, regardless of... That's a lot of aid to be, like, questioning whether it was actually lit on fire or not. Regardless, you don't want to... <laughs> even if it's it was proven to be false, you don't want to risk, you know, a, a right. large quantity of that kind of... It could be confiscated and just not yeah, go to the right people. exactly. Anyway. So, um, they started this campaign, and I guess over... I, I'm not sure the duration, but what, what happened was... They, it's Carlos started going to other vendors, local vendors, and they were all kind of interested in it. So they were then, so after they got, it doesn't actually say the amount that they got, but they were able to use some enough and they got discounts from the vendors on the chickens, on the food, on whatever. So they were able to get 11,000 pounds of chicken and 16.5 thousand pounds of rice and corn flour so that meant that there were enough chickens that were purchased for each person in the town and they had to figure out how to now get 14 tons of food uh transported so they got uh this guy carlos got massive food trucks and got it delivered and uh then eventually they the government actually when they saw it they stopped them and they said it's not from the u.s government don't worry, nothing with U.S. at all. It's just a bunch of people from around the world. You know, they didn't say that, but so basically, uh, they were able to get it through. And then there are all these pictures that I guess were relayed from Carlos with, uh, you know, chickens and giving to you know all the Venezuelan people. And I mean, this is just one of the many reasons why you know why cryptocurrency is is kind of awesome. You know, this is a really cool thing that you're able to just be at your home in San Francisco or even in, you know, Switzerland, wherever, I don't know, and just send money to uh, a fund that is now going to some of the poorest people on the planet. And it actually worked. I agree. And this is not the first time that we've seen somebody in Venezuela use crypto in some way to for things like this, you know, and uh, I agree. It's and fantastic it, that it can facilitate it. It's important to note here that we have a Carlos that is doing good for crypto rather than doing bad for crypto. Well, technically, so congratulations that's not his name. And new Carlos. It's not his name, unfortunately. So, oh, yeah, it's fake Carlos. Damn it. I know. We'll get so a Carlos we eventually. We are full of shitty Carloses or Carly. Also, more. That's how, that's how good this guy was. He was like, let me pick a name that needs some revamping. Justin's too obvious. Uh, Carlos. <laughs> there you go. Well, nobody's going to believe Justin is rolling around in Venezuela. <laughs> uh, I do also. Wait. So, yeah, I guess that's about it for that. And uh, before we move on to the next segment, I do want to mention that uh, there should be a ticker for how many times Brent men- uh, mentions that he does not have a Coinbase account. Because uh, Coinbase comes up a lot, but he <laughs> seems to mention it every single episode. So maybe, but wait, oh yeah. But did you know that it got suspended in Cuba? I did know that because it's been oh. reiterated 172 times. 
Let me explain. I no. take this opportunity to say this to Coinbase as our listenership grows because what I want is somebody from Coinbase to start listening to our episodes and be like, holy shit, these guys have been talking shit about us because our support sucks for two years. And then they're going to feel really bad about themselves. Also, I get the opportunity to brag that I was in Cuba, which many Americans do not have under their belt. Now, 66% of the people in this conversation do, but... That you know, that's that's not representative of the whole. So, but as the, you said, I mean, yeah, earlier, or maybe Kareem said, you basically tried to access U.S. website from a sanctioned, like login from a, a sanctioned country. So, yes. I mean, I believe that Coinbase was correct in <laughs> in killing me, and I I think that they did a good job. Bitrix would not have found me. In fact, I might have even logged into Bitrix when I was down there and got away with it. I don't remember, but. They caught me right away. The, the the reason they're totally cool to operate in New York is because they were smart enough to figure out how to catch me. The only, the only thing they're stupid about is when I showed them that I don't live in Cuba and that I'm an American citizen, they still didn't deal with it. So, yeah. Okay. That's it. All right. I'm going to say that. I'm going to keep saying um, that. So, yeah. yeah. So, Kareem, what would you like to chat about uh, China? With. Yeah, we go into China, and this time they're mining everything. They're banning it for real, guys. Crypto's done. No, I'm just kidding. But this time, <laughs> China state planner. Always some China food. Wants to eliminate Bitcoin mining in the country. Altogether, it is the National Development and Reform Commission, so the NDRC. And they are basically releasing a draft of the new guidelines. The public has time to comment. They have until May 7th to comment. And the idea here is to decide which industries we want to encourage, restrict, and eliminate. They did not give a phase-out date or anything like that, which means that if these went into effect, they would expect people to stop mining immediately. So, And the argument, of course, is that mining is a waste of resources and energy and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You know, this is interesting. And Adam, give me a link here to a tweet conversation from Emin Gunsirer, which we always talk about on the show. He's, you know, always has insightful things to say. And you know, he was pretty critical of um, proof of stake itself, and basically was making the argument like, yeah, you know, uh, societies need to figure out how to use their energy, and a bunch of computers solving Bitcoin puzzles not necessarily the most efficient way to do it, and just saying it's been 10 years and we have better concepts of proof of basically arguing that proof of stake is the future in the way. So it's interesting, of course, if China does ban cryptocurrency mining, that doesn't mean that there won't be cryptocurrency mining in China. It just means that it'll go underground, it'll go across borders, things like that. But something to keep an eye out on. Yep. Just another example of, yeah, you can ban something if you want, and then we're just going to do it anyway. It just will be unregulated. So good luck. Yeah. But this is good for Neo, right, boys? Good for Neo? I don't know if this is good for Neo. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Neo's not proof of work. So my, maybe they just are like, yeah, we're, we got to make Neo the good one. So let's get rid of the things that are not Neo. So let's get rid of proof of work. Maybe. Very conspiratorial, but I like it from an entertainment standpoint. Very Alex Jones. Big if true. Big if true. There uh, we go. Don't be. You know, Alex Jones lives in Austin. No. I wonder if that's yeah, just for the here. creative process. Like he just wants something to get mad about on the drive to work. He's like, oh, look at what she's wearing. <laughs> Goddamn hipsters everywhere. He's a full Texan. There's this great like, blow up of him in, uh, in a restaurant here. 
where he was just like yelling at everybody and everybody was telling the, the person who was recording was like, Alex, when are you due? And he was like, shut up, you fat bitch. And, and then everybody was just yelling at him and he's like, I'm leaving anyway. I'm leaving anyway. I, whatever. That guy's ridiculous. <laughs> he's a character. Uh, speaking of ridiculous, I think it's time for me to, to display some shots that have been fired. I was about to say fire some Ooh. shots, but I didn't fire these. I didn't fire these at all. I, I transitioned to myself. I don't really know why I did that, but I'm rolling with it anyway. It's all good. Go, go, um, go. You're doing amazing. Don't ever stop. <laughs> Vitalik uh, was wrapped up in some Craig Wright talk because uh, there was, I guess, a, a conference or something where people were talking about Craig Wright. And Vitalik said Craig Wright absolutely should have a voice. He was being accused of trying to censor him or something. He said Craig Wright absolutely should have a voice. But so should all of us laughing at his stupidity. <laughs> so there, there we go. Vitalik slamming, uh, slamming down there. And also, I just found some onion style articles from the cryptoverse. I didn't really know that we had specific like satirical sites, but there's one called Coin Jazeera. Coin Jazeera <laughs> news in crypto. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's the realest news in crypto, and it, they released an article that said Dan Larimer receives Guinness World Record for most crypto exit scams. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> they, they wrote this article, and it's great. Uh, and in there, they said something. There was a really good quote in here that I can't find about how he's not particularly good at making the projects, but he's really good at leaving them or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, that was funny, which led me to to wonder, are there more crypto onion style sites? And there's another one called the hodltimes.net. And I just grabbed one of the articles from them that said Vitalik Buterin's head to body ratio deemed structurally unsound by the OSHA. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyway, I, you can check out both those sites. I guess we'll plug them. <laughs> I just randomly pulled those off while I was looking for funny stuff, and that ended up being our our shots fired section. So that's that's it. <laughs> Pretty cool. There there were some other good ones, but those are just the ones that I grabbed. Uh, and, and I don't I don't think I oh I actually one more shot fired. I want to get. I'm sorry. I want to give a shout out to uh, to Peter McCormick. He was just on our show. And I'm going to read this properly. I forgot that he did this. And so he, I'm sorry, it took me a minute to find because he changed his name from Peter McCormick to Peter McHoddlenot. I, I didn't, I don't know why. So I wasn't ready for that. But um, he, he tweeted out, I would like to, he said this, I would like to formally state that Craig Wright is not Satoshi. Number one. <laughs> number two, he tweeted this to Calvin Iyer. Number two, Craig Wright is a fraud. Number three, I hope as many people retweet this as possible. Please send legal correspondence to 5 Goldington Road, Bedford, Bedfordshire, MK. He put his address. I don't know the rest of it. Regards, Peter. So basically, Calvin Iyer and Craig Wright like to sue people for saying that Craig Wright's not Satoshi, I guess. They call it like the troll factory, and they talk about how they're going to sue anybody that says it. So he was just like, go fuck yourself. Here's my address. Go ahead and sue me. I And on our show, he was like, do you think that it's like 100% that he's not Satoshi? And we talked about the, the tiny little percentage chance that it wasn't. But it, anyway, it was retweeted 822 times. So uh, <laughs> clearly his, his call for retweeting worked. And if they are interested in giving him any sort of legal repercussions, they know where to find him. 
Another shot fired. I really love this uh, head to body ratio deemed structurally yeah. <laughs> Are you like reading the article? It's just, yeah, it's, I got to go to Coin Jazeera. New source discovered. Yeah, the whole no, this is whole times. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be new official sources. It's great. Oh, of the uh, yeah, Coin Jazeera and Hold Hold Times. On. Yeah, maybe we'll just like spin off the podcast and do those. Brent, I remember the uh, the that's the that's the Naval interview that I keep referring to. And that's the shirt that he has. You can see the cat. You can see the rainbows. You can see the UFOs and stuff in the picture. If you look at the article on hold times. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Sh- I think he just wears that anyway. We just, we had a video posted in the Discord where he's like, they're they're at like a conference and they are doing like a really terrible rap. He's wearing the that, conference yeah. and then Vitalik just like pops out wearing that shirt. <laughs> it's awful. You want to see some cringe? Watch that. The next John Oliver series is definitely, when he talks about crypto again, is definitely having that video in it. He's going to be like, here is an update from a crypto conference, and it's going to be, and and, he, and he's going to like pause on Vitalik's face and like zoom in. And he's going to be like, no, 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 no. Okay. So you probably think that's just some random conference. People are walking around. They're, they're, they're dancing. They're having fun. That is the creator of the number two cryptocurrency in the world. He is a billionaire. It makes sense because and nerds this- do not like when you when you are that smart, you cannot you do not have your social skills. You can learn them. You learn them over time. But, you know, just understanding what needs to how to rile up a crowd is not something that you really concern yourself with, which is totally fine. But it's understandable. It's kind of, which is it's kind of funny. And I kind of respect that he's at least going out there and putting himself out there and doing that. I agree. Don't give any fucks. It is it is funny. I just I know that's coming back to haunt the crypto space. That's all. True. So those are those are my shots fired a little bit. Shots have uh, and in we fact didn't, been fired. I know we didn't have a mailbag, but I think you did have a uh Patreon uh Yeah, no no mailbag or rants. Uh I I'll, I want to give a little send off at the end of the episode, but right now we're gonna talk about the Patreon. Whenever you're a new Patreon, you sign up with us, we talk about you on the podcast. Our newest patron is Tokenomia. Uh, so thanks for signing up, Tokenomia. Appreciate it. They signed up at the, the node layer. And one of the awards that you can get for being a Patreon for a period of time is if you're on our master node layer, which is you've donated $5 per episode, once you hit your 90-day mark on that after of giving us $5 per episode, you get the ability to make us read something on the show. Now that you can make that an ad if you want, or you can make us say something stupid or something like that. So we have one from Marcel Bozio here, and I will I'll read most of it, but I'll have Kareem read the last sentence. Well, I'll reiterate the last sentence, but you'll read all of it. Oh, okay. Kareem will will correct me. Visit Bitcoin Mexico at Bitcoin.com slash MX. We provide well-researched news in Spanish about the state of of crypto and blockchain projects in Latin America. Crypto adoption will be led by the developing world. Visite Bitcoin Mexico, bitcoin.com.mx. Visite. You almost got it, Brent. That was pretty good. Visite Bitcoin Mexico. He's saying visit the site, Bitcoin. And how would you say that? Visite. That site in Spanish. You would say the same, bitcoin.com.mx. Yeah, that's not the same. That's not what I said. So yeah, there we go. There's the uh, th- that close is enough the uh, the win there. Yeah. So w- assuming he stays on as a patron, you can look forward to 
something else 90 days from now or the same thing up to him and uh that's that so if you want to if you want to eventually get us to say whatever you want go ahead and sign up as a as a patron there it's a it's a one sentence thing that given that was a little bit of a run-on sentence but we'll allow it (laughs) um and then uh, yeah make sure you make sure you join the conversation on discord make sure you check us out on all of the available platforms subscribing and all that i want to give one final shout out to uh to zoro you guys may have heard him in some of the episodes coming up to today but zoro passed away yesterday so he won't be interrupting any more episodes no more singing for him he was a good dog but he was 13 years old time to go so shout out to uh to little you zoro me sad buddy sorry so yeah all right that's it so what are we not kareem we are not happy and we're not financial advisors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not financial advisors. Uh, so all investments have inherent risks. And uh, go look up some videos about how we got that black hole telescope image. It's really cool. Oh, okay. So I, I, Kareem was throwing it back to me. I don't know. We're, we're idiots. I guess he wanted me to say that party doesn't want to be, be an idiot. We're idiots. Don't listen to anything. We say all investments have inherent risk and all that stuff. I've been Brent Philbin. Joined here with Adam Ruthless Levy and Kareem uh, Monero Baruke. <laughs> Not Ruthless <laughs> right. Baruke. We're, we're out. Catch you on the All next right. one. Peace. See you guys. Peace.